We want to turn our attention to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now, you may be thinking we were there last week, preacher. Some of you may not have recognized that. But, <laughs> but today, we want to focus on the last phrase of these verses, the last phrase. But I, for our reading, I want to take the time to read verses 18 through 20. But we're going to focus on that last phrase. Pastor Dave Kenny. He stated this, faith is grounded in the confidence of God's presence in today's unsettledness and the conviction of God's promises working in tomorrow's unseen. Now, let me say that again. Faith is grounded in the confidence of of God's presence in today's unsettledness and the conviction of God's promises working in tomorrow's unseen. So what this tells me is that without the presence of God, we will not exercise our faith. We exercise our faith it's because of the presence of God. We sense his presence in our lives. We sense his presence working around us. And when we do that, when we sense his presence moving and working in our lives and working around us, we begin to exercise our faith and we show confidence in him, in his promises. And his promises come in unsettled times in our lives. When our lives are just in shambles, it takes the presence of God to come upon us and help us to just trust him by faith. Many of us today that are in here in the past several weeks, we've been through some unsettledness in our lives. These past several weeks has been very hard on this church. They've been very hard on me. They've been very hard on on you. And and it takes the presence of God to help us going to exercise our faith and to trust his promises in the midst of it. And that's what this this pastor is trying to share, that, that... when God's presence comes, we can have confidence and we'll exercise our faith because we know that tomorrow will be taken care of. Man, isn't it good to know when you know that you know that you've been born again, that tomorrow's already took care of? That we don't have to worry about tomorrow. That tomorrow God's already settled it and he's going to take care of it. If whether we see tomorrow or whether we don't see tomorrow, it's already taken care of. Here we want to just focus our attention for a few moments on the presence of God, the unli- his unlimited presence. When we look here in this passage, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. God, we thank you. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that we don't have to fear. We thank you that we know tomorrow is settled. 
God, we just thank you that you love us and we can experience your presence and that it's an unlimited presence. That no matter where we're at or what we're doing, that we can feel your presence. So God, we pray right now that you would be with us and that your presence would be strong in this place and that you would speak to hearts all over this building. That God, help us to understand that we need your presence in our lives. And God, to experience your presence is a glorious thing. But God, we must come to know you through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us, God, when you, to know that when your presence is there, when it's moving, that we just be obedient. We be obedient and respond to the moving of your Holy Spirit. And we'll praise you for what's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just thinking of God's presence for these few moments. God, what we must understand is that we were created to enjoy God's presence. Have you ever just thought of that? That that's why we were created we were created to enjoy his presence. God created us as relational beings. We, that's who we are. Now, we can try to say that we don't, we're not, but we are relational beings. We desire and we need human presence. That, that's very obvious. And, and some of you may be thinking, well, I'm okay by myself. I don't need anyone else. But I want to tell you, we all need someone at some point in our lives. From the very beginning, God knew this. He knew that we needed companionship. As a matter of fact, in, in Genesis 2 and 18, he, the Lord said that it is not good that man should be alone. And I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of Adam's rib, what God did was he fashioned a woman, not only to complement the man, but also to complete him. And, and from this man, man, from this man and woman were to enjoy a companionship that, that would bring them together, becoming one flesh. Now, now, now this took place because God understood that we needed companionship. God understood it wasn't good. When he created Adam, he knew in that moment it's not good for him to be alone and he won't be alone always. I'm going to create someone else. We, we, it is important that we enjoy one another's company. Because we'll go foolish if you leave us to ourselves. You may not think that, but we will go foolish if we leave ourselves, if we're just to ourselves and never have communication from anyone else. How do you know that? I, I wonder if you've seen the movie Castaway. In 2000, this movie was, was produced and Tom Hanks played the character of Chuck Nolan. Chuck Nolan was a system operator or engineer with FedEx, and, and his life was altered in December of 1995. At a Christmas gathering with relatives, everything changed in his life. His whole life was interrupted because he was summoned to Malaysia to fix a problem. While flying in a violent storm, his plane crashes in the Pacific Ocean, and Chuck escapes from this sinking plane on an inflatable life raft. 
Now he loses the emergency locator transmitter, so he, he begins to just cling to this raft for his dear life. He loses consciousness, and he begins to float all night before washing up on an island. you remember that? Those of you who, who watched this movie, we see that that's pretty accurate. After he awakens, he, he explores the island, and he soon discovers that he's there all by himself. This is an island that, that is not inhabited by other men or women. It's not inhabited by anybody. He's there all alone. And what he notices later is that several FedEx packages, they, they, they wash up on the shore, as well as the body of one of the pilots. He buries that body, he, and, and he makes an unsuccessful attempt to, to signal for rescue and to even escape himself. And so after this unsuccessful attempt, he begins searching for food. He begins searching for water and shelter. And during this, he, he injures his hand. He cuts his hand and has a very deep wound. And in anger, he begins to throw objects. All of those packages that were there, he begins to throw them. And all of a sudden, he finds a volleyball in one of the packages. Do you remember what kind of volleyball that was? It was a Wilson volleyball. Why is that important? Because him being left all by himself, he gathered that volleyball after his bloody hands had been on it. He drew a face on that, that, that volleyball and he set it on a stick and he called that volleyball what? He began talking to this volleyball as it was another person. We're, we need companionship. We need people in our lives. And I want to tell you, those people who don't come to church on Sunday morning, who say that they're born-again Christians and they refuse to go to church, they'd rather sit in their homes, I want to tell you, they're missing out on something that they desperately need. Amen. We can say what we want. <laughs> but we all... We all need someone. Maybe for a short time, we're okay. Maybe for a short time, I, you know, you get me by myself for a day or two, I'm all right. But after that, I need somebody around. As a matter of fact, uh, when Iola goes out, usually her and Taylor, they'll go off. And, and by the time they get back, I'm ready to see them. It doesn't matter if I was ready to see them go. By the time they get back, I'm ready to see them. As a matter of fact, next week, uh, Taylor will be leaving on Thursday, and she'll be going off for a few days. And before she comes back, I'm going to be leaving Sunday evening, and I won't be back till that next Thursday. And, and I'm going to be ready to see her because I'm going to miss the talks that we have. We all need someone in our lives. And it's because God's created us this way. He's created us as, as relational beings. But not only are we relational beings needing one another, but we're relational beings in that we desire and we need God's presence in our lives. Genesis 3 and 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, um, Lord God, among the trees in the garden. Now, when you read this, you know what you begin to think? You were left with the indication that prior to Adam and Eve's sin, that they enjoyed the physical presence of God. Because this verse tells us that they're hiding from God now. And, and so it indicates that there was, there was a communion that they had with God. God that was almost physical. And here, here, but since their sin, they find themselves wanting to hide from the presence of God.
presence of God. You know, we all have a strong desire. We all have a need to dwell in the presence of God. We all have that within us. You know what we'll do? We'll go look in other places. But it's our desire to have a, have a relationship and to be in the presence of God. We'll go look into alcohol. We'll go look into men. We'll go look into women. We'll go look into drugs. We'll go look in, into money. We'll go look into our jobs. We'll go look into, into fame and fortune. But we'll only be fulfilled when we're in the presence of a holy God. Here, we all have this desire, but you know what sin does? It makes us foolish. What do you mean, preacher? It, it just makes us foolish. Foolish enough to think that we can hide, or at least hide our sin from God. You're talking about a God who knows all, a God who sees all. We can't escape his presence. Isn't it foolish to think we're hiding something from the God of glory who created this world? And that's what we do. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said in 139, 7 through 10, where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And if I take, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. It's letting us know that it is crazy for us to think that we can escape the presence of God. We can't hide from God. We can't hide our sin from God. But it's because of our sin that we feel guilt and shame. It's because of our sin that we try to hide from God and we hide our sin from Him. While we are experiencing this guilt and shame, while we are trying to hide from God, there's something within us that desires to be in His presence. And we know we can't enter into his presence in the midst of our midst. But thanks be to God (laughs) that his plan to redeem us to himself and to restore us in us his image, it provides for us a way for us to live eternally in his presence. And it was fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ. You know, we want to argue and we want to debate. Does God hear the sinner's prayer? We can argue that all we want, but what I know this is that when we pray to God, if we're going to get in touch with God, we got to pray in the Spirit. And there's no way you can pray in the Spirit if He doesn't abide in you. What God will do is answer your repentant call. He hears the repentance of a sinner, but he hears the prayers of the saints. Well, God heard my prayer, preacher. He heard somebody praying for you. Now, we can trust that. And if you really want to get in touch with God, I encourage you, get to know Jesus, and he'll put you in the presence of God. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. Jesus came and he died to take it away. We no longer have to live in it. And I'm so glad God created, God formed, God fashioned, God set this plan in motion to redeem us unto himself. We were created in his image and in his likeness. And he wants to restore his image in us. Yes, from the very beginning, we were created to enjoy God's presence. 
And down through time, God's presence come to dwell among us. You know, Jesus, God's presence in the flesh, he came to live with us. Matthew's gospel lets us know that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph to assure him that Mary's baby was of the Holy Spirit. And he, his name, he assured Joseph that his name would be called Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua. The, in the Greek, Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. In other words, when they looked at Jesus and they called his name out, they were saying, you are salvation. They were saying, God, you are salvation. Every time they called the name of Jesus, you are salvation. You know, you know there's power in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus because there's salvation in Jesus' name. When we understand what this name means, it's then we begin to understand why the angel said, for he, wish, he will save his people from their sins. Further in Matthew's gospel, the angel of the Lord explained that those events that took, that took place were to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah 7 and 14, the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. While Jesus never bore the name Emmanuel, he was the fulfillment of the role of Emmanuel. Jesus, in fact, was God with us. People want to argue you that. There are denominations that say, well, he was a great man. There are denominations that say he was a great prophet. There were denominations that say, well, he done great things. Well, he done great things. He was a great man. He was a great prophet because he was God himself in the flesh. The presence of God was wrapped in flesh and blood and he walked and he talked with men. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad God, glad God has eternity past, eternity present, eternity future in front of him. I'm so glad that before I was conceived, before my mother and father were conceived, before my grandmother and grandfather were conceived, before their parents were conceived, God saw through the portals of time and saw that we would need his presence in our life. And he sent his only begotten son to come to this world so that we could have his presence. Oh, that ought to excite us. That ought to excite us. His presence not only was here while he was here, but it was here in his work. Jesus, God in the flesh, came into the world to demonstrate that through the presence of God in our lives, we can do all things. While on earth, Jesus performed many miracles. He made the blind to see, the dumb to talk, the lame to walk. He even made the dead to live again. Jesus demonstrated his power, the power that's available to us if we would be, allow the presence of God to lead God and direct us in our lives. In Jerusalem, there's this, in Jerusalem, one of the gates is called the Sheep Gate. There's a pool called Bethesda. And around the pool, many blind, lame, and paralyzed people would, would come and they'd find their, their place. And at certain times, an angel of God would come and it would stir the water. And the first one into the water after the stirring of the water took place would become healed of their disease or their infirmity. And Jesus came by, came through that gate, came by that pool and he saw a man. A man who had been there for 38 years and Jesus asked him, 
Do you want to be made well? The man said, I do, but I have no one to help me in the water. Jesus just looked at him and said, stand, rise up, take your bed and go. And immediately he had strength in his legs. Immediately he was able to rise up. Immediately he was able to go. And you know what we come to find out is the water may have helped some, but there was somebody there. The presence of God was there, and it was more powerful than any water. It was more powerful than any angel stirring any water. The presence of God is the most powerful thing you can come into. And that's exactly what took place. God's presence is unlimited. God sent his son. And in sending his son, he sent his presence. John 5 and 19 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. You know what he was saying? I'm God. <laughs> and the presence of God is here with you. And the only way I can do what I'm doing is I'm dwelling in the presence of God. Ken Helpful said, Jesus' work was clear evidence of the Father's presence. The Father was at work through the Son. And as the Father worked through the Son, the Son himself was God. Yes. We look in here and we see God's presence living among us. We see that we're created to enjoy God's presence. But we also see God's physical presence was replaced by his abiding presence. His abiding presence was promised. Jesus taught of his departure being at hand. At least three different occasions we find where Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to have to go away. In John 14, 2 and 3, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Jesus' talk of his departure brought confusion. It brought despair in the minds of the disciples. But, but Jesus tells them that because of his departure, they would be able to do greater things than he was able to do in those short years of ministry. In John 14 and 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say, he, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he will do because I go to the Father. How is this possible? Well, if we look in John's gospel, if we look there in John's gospel in that same chapter, in chapter 14, all we've got to do is look down a few verses. In verse 15 and, and, and through 17, it tells us exactly why, how, how this is possible. He shares in there, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Jesus is saying, I've got to go. Uh, it's expedient or it's important that I go away because if I go away, 
God's going to send a helper. And not only will you have my presence, but you'll have my presence dwelling in you always. And because my presence is dwelling in you always, then you'll never have to worry about me not being with you. And here, because of that, we have this power that is placed inside of us. At the very moment, I don't understand exactly how he does it, but I know as soon as we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, his presence comes to dwell within us, and he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us those of us who have received Jesus Christ those of us who know that our names have been recorded in the Lamb's book of life we can't go anywhere without God's presence going with us oh it's so sweet because the Bible teaches us that blessed are those Blessed are those who die in the Lord. It is so sweet to see someone who's lived a a long life at peace and resting in the presence of God. When I talk about resting in the presence of God, they're in a worship state. I'm I'm convinced of this, that, that when we leave this world, we leave these bodies and go into the presence of God, I'm convinced that they're around the throne of God and they are worshiping and they're praising God. I don't, when I say rest, I don't mean that they're asleep. There's some who teach as a soul sleep there's some who say that that you go to sleep and you're not woke up to Jesus comes back I don't believe that because when we're in the presence of God and his presence is overflowing what do we do we worship and praise him if his presence is moving strong we want to praise and worship him we don't want to go to sleep we want to enjoy that and I imagine those in heaven today whether they went yesterday or whether they went 2,000 years ago, they're all around the throne of God, (laughs) rejoicing, praising, and worshiping Him until the day the Father says, Son, go get my children. (laughs) Right now, your loved one, my loved ones, I'm just convinced that they're worshiping and praising God. God's unlimited presence, when it's abiding in our life, it is such a gift that we can't take it for granted. We can't dismiss it. Why? Because just as God sent his son into the world, his son sends us out into the world. Jesus has sent, Jesus was sent to this world to bring the good news of salvation. To make it available to all who would believe. And now Jesus sends us into the world to share this same good news. The good news of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. But he knew we couldn't go alone. He knew we couldn't go by ourselves. So at Pentecost, our helper came. And he came to dwell with us. We need his help. So God in his gracious and marvelous mercy, in all his power, he sent us his Holy Spirit. Now he abides, he guides, he directs, and he empowers us to share the gospel. Folks, if his presence is unlimited, then our territory is unlimited. If his presence will go with us wherever he sends, then we should never be afraid to go. 
because he's going to go with us. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know this. You're only promised this abiding presence if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Revelation 21 and 3 gives us the greatest thing about this. Is that it's not, he's not just going to abide with us here on earth. He's not just abiding with us. We're not just in his presence while we're alive. But it's for all eternity. Revelation 21 and 3, he says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. <laughs> before the glory of God went before <laughs> The tabernacle. And it come behind it. By a pillar of cloud. During the day. And a pillar of fire. At night. We, they saw the glory of God. But now. When all is said and done. When we have the new heaven. And the new earth. That new Jerusalem is coming down. God's going to dwell with man. And man's going to dwell with God. He himself will be our God. And we'll know him as he is. Well, if God is spirit, how will we know him? Because <laughs> Jesus will be there. <laughs> And he's God in flesh. When we see Jesus and we will see him, we'll see God. For those of us who know Jesus, our personal Savior, my prayer is that the assurance of his unlimited presence in our lives gives us the confidence to join him in his kingdom work. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God, through his son, Jesus Christ. We want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent his very son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that he died for our sins and he arose on the third day, and then if you would confess him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. And you must be willing to serve him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.